From the Hamptons, broadcasting around the world. Around the world. You're listening to WOC Winners Only Club. Here's your host, Lulu Romano. Hello and welcome to another episode of Winners Only Club, the number one podcast in the Hamptons and beyond. On this podcast, we interview business owners, entrepreneurs, people who are doing positive things and with this winner mentality. That's why the name of this podcast, Winners Only Club. Today, we're sitting with Patricia Asui Reed. She is the owner of Matriarch in Sag Harbor, 133 Main Street. You won't miss it. You have to go up a bunch of steps to the Matriarch Palace. It's almost like you're worshiping <laughs> the Matriarch as you're going up. So how are you doing today? Good. Thanks, Lulu, for having me. How are you? I'm good. Give us a little bit more introduction of yourself. Mm. So my name is Patricia, like I said. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Um, so I own Matriarch, which is um, a business in Sag Harbor, and we specialize in women-owned and LGBTQI plus-owned businesses. Uh, so I was a buyer my whole life, um, my whole professional life, and um, I moved to Sag Harbor in 2018 and uh, decided to open the shop in 2019, and I've been here ever since. What's your story of origin, both you as a person and matriarch the store like how did you get where you came from to here well that's a long journey <laughs> <laughs> i'm originally uh, japanese brazilian so my grandparents were japanese migrated to brazil a long time ago so my whole family is in brazil and i came to the u.s at the end of 93 to finish school to study i'm much older than you <laughs> and um and i ended up staying you know i fell in love with this country and how things work. Um, I wanted to be in fashion and at the time Brazil's fashion industry was very small and very different and not necessarily had a lot of opportunities for me. So I decided to stay and I made my career being a retail buyer in several different companies. Um, I got married and I had kids and then I decided to move with my husband and my kids to Sag Harbor in 2018 just to, you know, for the quality of life and have fun. At the time, I was thinking about opening in my own business and starting to support women. So Matriarch started with my desire to, you know, having been in retail and fashion business for so long, I realized that uh, all of these smaller independent brands, especially the women-owned brands, really didn't have a lot of platforms for them. And, um, and also they don't have a lot of funding from VC firms, for example. Mm -hmm. I think only 2% of the funding goes to women-owned businesses in this country. And I felt that a good way to support their businesses was to start a platform like Matriarch and just focus on them. So when I moved to Sag Harbor, um, maybe six months later, I saw this beautiful building and we decided to go for it. Where did you move from before Sag Harbor? I was in New York City. Why Sag Harbor specifically? Because let's say if we were choosing a place in the east end there are multiple hamlets sure. and then there's also other resort-esque spots why sag harbor uh, well we my husband and i we would come here on vacation all the time before way like many years before and we actually spend time in most hamlets really and we love every single one of them but we have two children and we wanted to have them in a public school and we thought this public school was perfect one for us for our family so this is why it was very school-based, but we also loved the fact that SAG is a year-round town. You know, it feels like I could be here year-round and feel like the restaurants are open and everything is open and it feels like a true community. And, and, but, but 
really, to be honest, it was mostly about the school at first. And then we realized there are more benefits to it after yeah. we moved. It's very selfless to... Uh, it's very selfless to put the kids first. That's what you do as a parent. Yeah, and they're really. at Pearson. They're at Pearson. My my daughter now is at Ross. She moved from middle school, and then my son is at Pearson. Yes, nice. and lovely school. It's great, great area. Matriarch. The name is kind of play on the actual word matriarch, but it's with a K. Can you tell us the meaning of the K? Well, you know, obviously matriarch has a meaning in itself and uh, there is a literal meaning and, you know, it's societies where the leaders are, are ruled by women and ours was a take on that, but it wasn't supposed to be a literal thing. So we added, I added a K to just make it, uh, you know, not too literal. But really the, tr the true sentiment behind it is to really celebrate women as leaders either from their own businesses, or in their personal lives, or in the world, yeah. Kind of more playful, making... Yeah, yeah, yeah. but women as leaders in general. In 2022, Dictionary.com named woman the word of the year. What do you think about that? <laughs> I think that's awesome, and I think it's due, you know? You know, look, we've come a long way, you know, I, I come from a generation that already enjoyed many rights, you know, so we are sort of privilege in so many ways, but there's so much more to be done. But but really, yes, I think if you think about the amount of things that have happened uh, in 2002, yeah, not let's in talk our, about it. Not in our it. favor, actually. Right, yeah, you so know? we have the turnover of Roe versus Wade. Right, yeah. What else do we have? Well, I think in politics, there's a myriad of things that indirectly also affect women. We had the pandemic, in the heels of the pandemic, that a lot of the women left the workforce yes, to stay home, and so that really hurt their careers as well and their financial prospects. There's a lot of layers of little blows and big blows that affected women. Um, but there's also progress and there's also energizing. You know, people are energized uh, to make changes. And so it's a constant battle and it's two steps forward one step backwards and it's, we just have to keep going in yeah. our own way and you don't have to do huge things you know you do things within your own power to to help when it comes to handpicking you handpick the brands yourselves yes. right what goes into deciding which designers and which brands you would like to support and display at your store yeah so well first of all this is a very tough job in the sense that it's fun but it's also there's way more brands than I have space you know and unfortunately I have to turn people away which I that's not something I would like to do um, this is something I'm trying to address in other ways but truly you know before you have any ethos or mission in the brand because I come from retail I know that it does not you, it's not it doesn't matter of course it matters but if your product is not good, it does not matter, right? Because if you're not selling something that's desirable, if it's not something that's high quality or people that want, want to buy them, um, everything else sort of is secondary. So my first and foremost priority is to make sure that the products are well-made, that they are beautiful, that there's a specific edit and they're curated. But of course, the, the other filters are women-owned, and I open up now, like instead of just women-owned, because truly, many people are affected by the patriarchy, right? It's not just women. And so I opened up our, our assortment to uh, LGBTQI plus uh, businesses as well. But, you know, so I have that filter, 
Um, and then I also, I want to make sure that there is a diversity of, of ethos and founders and philosophies and that it's just not a one thing. But, but it's hard to just turn people away, you know? Yes. Uh, but, you know, hopefully we're growing our website presence and I think that that's how I can also have more people um, just to include them in the website even though they're not in our store and I think that that's, that's the next step. Do you have a team who runs your website and social media and all the tech stuff? We have a few people that we hire that are third party. They're not Matrix employees, they're third party. Um, yeah. Are you interested in expanding in that sense? Because it's kind of debatable. Some people really believe in the power of social media, and mm -hmm. some people, and I would say actually most of the people, uh, but some people, there's still one here and there who are like, you know, I want to keep in their mind the integrity of, of uh, word of mouth. So, what is your stand on that? I think uh, you can't escape social media. I mean, if hate it or love it. Um, I think it's, you know, for me, I think it's a great tool, you know, and I don't love that we're so glued to it. I don't love the negative aspects of it, but for the businesses now, like you can't escape it. So instead of fighting it, you just have to join them really. Um, and, you know, word of mouth is also important. So it's just not, it's not just social media. You have to do everything now. Being a business owner uh, these days, it means that you have to do everything, social media website, in-person, marketing, blah, blah, blah. So you can't just do one thing, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Circling back to our previous point, you mentioned how there are not, there's not enough space to support and present all the different brands that want to work with you. Mm -hmm. So is it more common that you reach out to brands or brands reach out to you? Now it's more brands reaching out to me. Of course, you know, when I first started, I had to call everybody to see who was interested. And I actually was so pleasantly surprised about how many people felt that the concept was so great. And they immediately, you know, we have brands from the very beginning that supported us, you know, uh, and they didn't even know me. They didn't know me at all. I just called them. You know, I like Chufi and sold out NYC and many of these brands, Camilla Sarpi, they just said, sure, just uh -huh. sign me up because we believe in, yeah. in, in this project. But of course, I had to sell the, the concept. And now, obviously, we've been here for three years, so people come to me more than I go to them. And uh, But I still do, I have very active research and I have a long list of brands that I'm interested in. We just have to figure out space you know you physically call up like the CEO the manager the what person exactly do you call we uh, well I I literally cold turkey like I just did um, um, I did cold calls but I also email I first emailed yeah the people like okay. and it was usually like a sales contact I saw on the website for people that I didn't know obviously yeah. or I called some of my friends I said do you know anybody in this company um, but sometimes you would just go into their general email but I would send a lot of information and they would get back to me and then they would send me to the owner or the designer so we can have a conversation but but that's the that's another thing I learned because I I don't like I'm one of those people that I'm not good at those things yeah. you know yeah. I don't like bothering people oh I don't God. like yeah. calling people for, I mean I just like I won't do it mm -hmm. but when you're a new business you just have to do what you gotta do you know yeah. so I had to learn to just be like well you just have to call yeah. it. There's no other way around. It's scary. You know? yeah. yeah. And of course, because you're opening up to rejection, people might say no, you know. So that's not fun. No. But but what else are you going to do? Yeah. You know? 
Did you have any gets in mind? Gets as in like, I really, really hope that this and this brand will say yes to working with me. I had several of them. Uh, many of them said yes. Some of them said to me, well, we're very interested in the concept. I think you're great. This is great. But we want to reconvene after because what they what they were saying is that we want you to prove yourself first. Oh. And after you've opened, after you have a business, blah, 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 then we'll go, you know, which is fair enough. But, you know, I have a, a few stories that actually it's this is why it, it sometimes it pays off to take risks on people right so in my case i was calling out these brands and you know i there was a few gets and i got most of them some of them didn't then we were very successful the pandemic hit we were very busy and then we were full and then these two brands that said no came back to me and said now that you're busy and now that you're successful we want in and, and then i'm like but now i don't have the space <laughs> You know, and it's not that I on purpose wanted to turn them away, but I it was too late for them. You know, and they missed a huge opportunity to be here during the summer and it was a was a lot of sales and had they bet on me early, they would have been here already, you know. And so it's it's a real balance that you you wanna take calculated risks, but I think it pays off to take risks sometimes on people, you know. For sure. One of the first people I interviewed with Morgan Sheck who is this Ford model and does all these things and I was like why did you say yes to this like I would pull up to her four-story brownstone house in Manhattan and I was like by the way why did you say yes to this she's like you know I'm just betting on the right horse and I was like okay <laughs> thanks and I took it as a compliment can you share some of the brands of your gets sure um, uh, zero Maria Corneo who is I mean Maria is uh, I mean people really love her and they worship the ground that she walks through just because of her ethos and oh. she's a real important figure in fashion um, and they were so lovely and open and absolutely supportive of the concept so you know you have you have Rachel Comey also another really big brand and that's it she's not enormous like you know those big groups but she's really well known very respected Totally open to it um, and very, very um, supportive. Um, we have Pamela Love, who is another jewelry designer who is very successful, and I always loved her her pieces. And she was very excited about the, the whole concept and was excited to join right away. So I had so many. So we're just grateful, you know, that they that they trusted me also. Because it also requires a leap of faith on that person that trust your brand that you worked very hard with that person you know it's not a very easy thing to do but yeah and once a brand is represented in your store is it something like commission or is it like you bought it and then you guys shared the profit how does it work we have, very we have a lot of different business models in the store and I think what happened was that when I opened matriarch you know, I'm self-funding, you know, so this is, I'm not uh, independently wealthy. I don't come from money. And so everything that we had and was savings, you know, I, I used part of it. So um, my brands knew that. And so when I called them, I was very transparent. And I said, you know, it's, I don't have a huge backer. I don't have a huge company behind me. I'm, I'm just opening a store and I have a lot of experience. Um, I think I have good taste and I think I can make this work for you, but 
we're going to have to work something out. So the vast majority of these companies came under consignment, and they of course, consignment doesn't... People, and I want to clarify too so people understand. Please. People think consignment is a consignment store that you have used products, which sometimes you do, and it's great. It's secondhand, it's fantastic, sustainable. But consignment is simply a business model, right? Mm -hmm. So consignment is the act of actually lending you merchandise without you having to pay up front, and you pay when you sell it. Mm -hmm. This is what consignment is. It doesn't really mean that merchandise is old. It doesn't mean that the... To the contrary. So in my case, when we do consignment, is their latest collection, just as any other store would have, right? Mm -hmm. It's just I didn't pay up front. It's just a different deal. So I do have sometimes consignment, I do have sometimes, when it's like, you know, and when I started, again, if it was a small little thing that we had to buy, we bought it, but it literally meant like you either have to do this or I absolutely cannot afford to have your brand And that here. was the business model when you first began the store. And it still is, the vast majority, it still is. And because it's a, it's a tough business in the Hamptons in a way that, you know, I know we're going to talk about this, but we have... A seasonal business so mm -hmm. when you're only making the bulk of your business from May through September you have to make a lot of creative gymnastics and mm -hmm. how you mm -hmm. do things you know mm -hmm. to survive and to thrive here so afterwards then the profit is split or shared yeah or... so we did profit sharing got it absolutely cool. nice yeah. so the name of this podcast is called winners only club what is your definition of a winner and a definition of a loser mm, okay so I don't really have a definition for losers because I don't really like using that word so much but that's just me but uh, I think the winner for me is somebody that has control over their time it's not so much about how much money you made or how big you are or how many I mean, all those things are great for so many other reasons but for me like if you have all the money in the world but you don't own your time mm -hmm. it feels to me like not a happy life mm -hmm. you know when you're constantly doing things for other people when you don't you have time for yourself or for your family for so I think a winner is somebody that no matter what phase of life they are or what kind of profession they are in and how much money they have if they can control their time to do the things that they love and to mm -hmm. spend the time with people that matter to them to me like you're a winner you know mm -hmm. and and you can achieve that in different ways and it's very difficult to get to that point some people, you know, I think the United States, um, the culture here makes it very hard for us to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I think in, in Europe, they have a better balance. They have more vacations, you know, like in Brazil as well, they have a lot more vacation time. Here, it's, it's very hard to do. There are a lot of other issues that impact that sort of thing too, like healthcare, all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that's something I strive for, you know. So, but the, I know, I don't, I think everybody is either winning or wanting to win, you know, I don't think everybody, nobody wants to lose in life, you know, I think everybody wants to, to be happy, that's my take on it. Do you think you are there yet? No. <laughs> what Absolutely not. percentage, like if this is, if 100% is a winner, what percentage do you think wins, if, according to your definition of someone who's in control of their time? You know, I'm much better now. I have to say, when I started Matriarch, I was like, I had zero control of my time. I mean, which, I obviously, words mean a lot of things. It's not that I didn't have control of my time. I chose not to. Mm -hmm. I chose to spend all my time in this company, you know? And I could have chosen not to, but then it wouldn't have gotten the results that I wanted, mm -hmm. right? So those are choices. Yeah. But 
I chose to spend all of my free time uh, doing everything for matriarch. But I, after two years, I was burning out in yeah. the pandemic, so I decided to really um, take a few steps back. And of, of course, after two years, you, you've done things, you've learned things, you can take more time off. Mm -hmm. you can do, um, but I think in the scale of things, I'm just like, I'm not, there. I'm like 20%. Really? You know? Yeah, I mean, because, you know, I have two kids, I have a husband, I have a business, I consult. I mean, there's just a lot going on, but I don't think, but some days I'm at 80%. It's not like, you know, oh, okay. some days I'm better than others. Yeah. So, but I'm constantly striving. I think that's my goal in the next 10 years. I'm getting older. I'm, I want to get there. What do you consult on? There is this really amazing group called Iguatemi. They are in Brazil. They are the best, sort of the really most important luxury real estate group in Brazil. And I was working for them. I worked for them for 12 years and I was always full-time for them. And then when I started Matrix, I paired back and I stayed as a consultant. Um, and so through them, I had a lot of opportunities to work with a lot of brands. And I set up a lot of the retail um, businesses for big brands in Brazil oh, with them. So cool. I got a lot of exposure to a lot of different amazing projects. I still work with them in a lot of things. Um, yeah, they're incredible. So they're, but they're in Brazil. So I, I've always telecommuted the whole pandemic thing of doing things via Zoom. I've been doing that with them for oh, nice. 12 years. So for me, in a way, that the learning curve of that was 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 easy for me to. Do you miss Brazil sometimes? I do. Do you speak I the do. language? Yeah, I was born there, raised, and I came after college, so uh, I speak Portuguese. Um, yeah, I miss Brazil, I miss my family, I, I have, you know, my, my best friends are there also, I have close friends. But, you know, this is, again, it's about choices, right? We chose to live here and to raise our kids here. I go to Brazil a lot for business, but also once a year we try to take our kids. Mm -hmm. So, it's fun, it is fun, yeah. Can you share a quote that you really like? Because I love quotes. So maybe a quote, whether in English or mm. Portuguese. I have, I have a quote from His Holiness Dalai Lama that says, um, be kind whenever possible. It's always possible. <laughs> so that's a, yeah. it's a good one. Yeah, I like that one. I like quotes too, but I don't memorize them. But that one I have, I have written in a lot of places. Yeah. When it comes to languages, do you also speak Japanese? No, sadly, what happened was that my grandparents moved to Brazil and they would speak Japanese to my parents and my parents would respond in Portuguese. So oh. my parents understand Japanese, but they couldn't speak to me, so they couldn't teach me. And so hopefully I won't do the same thing with my kids now with Portuguese. <laughs> I'm trying I'm trying to speak more with them. But, yeah. but I understand, you know, there are a lot of words that are easy for me to capture in yeah. conversations, I sort of get the gist of some of the conversations, but I don't fully speak nor, yeah. There's a Japanese quote, something like, Nana Yaki Kurobi. I don't know that quote. I didn't say it right. It means fall down seven times, get up eight. That's Actually, right. it's fall down eight times, get up nine. Get up nine, that's yeah. That one. yeah. That's right. I like it. It's a good yeah, one. that's a great yeah. quote. So bring us back to the present back to this beautiful shop, Matriarch. Tell us what is the best and the not so best aspects of serving the Hamptons? Well, the best is that we live in this paradise, really. I mean, this place is unreal, you know, and I so much, I appreciate it so much because 
you know, I came from Brazil with 20 million people in Sao Paulo, which I love Sao Paulo and came from New York City, huge. But having nature and having this community that feels, Sag Harbor, at least for me, feels like a really welcoming, tight, supportive community. It's, it's truly like, it's amazing. And, I, and it's also fun in the summer, you know, this is our business from May through September. It's really fun. And people are here and they're, the shoppers are in a good mood. They're on vacation. The vibe is good. It's not like people are stressed out, yeah. you know, like our customers in general are kind yeah. and fun. Um, so I, I love the Hamptons for that. And I think the challenge really is, I think I alluded in the, in the, uh, previously, was the seasonality. You know, we have we have a very short window to really make our, our year and everything else is very slow. The pandemic changed that for a while, but that was just temporary. You know, people went back to New York City or to wherever they were living permanently. And and now it's back to normal and, and it's, it's tough. I mean, because there, we have not been able to create a sustainable model, a business model from October through say march you know here for foot traffic for you know mm. people are not here so that's the worst part i think for a business owner moving forward have you thought about different things to do to kind of increase foot traffic during the off season i've done i mean we've tried a lot of things and i think at the end of the day it's just the sheer amount of people that are not here you know and but i love you know this time of year is the time where you can really connect to the local community, where we can do things that, that we can do one-on-one -on -one things that we have more time because in the summer is a whirlwind of people. You can't spend time with anybody, you know? So, but you know, I also think it's the time for me personally to have downtime, you know? And so I had to learn how to do the high and low thing, which I wasn't, I wasn't used to this sort of business, you know, I was always like a year-round, even keel business. And now it's like, woof, it's the highs and lows are really huge, right? It took me all these years to get used to it, but now I, I learned to accept it. It's like, okay, you have summer and then you rest, you know, yeah. and you're not crazy running around with things. And it's the time maybe I connect with my friends and I can, um, I used to have events with the Matriarch Club here. Oh. Um, I started the Matriarch Club before the pandemic where Half of the store here that we're sitting, it was chairs. We would put chairs and we would do a stage here. And Teresa Roden, the founder of iTry, uh, who is a nonprofit here that empowers girls through triathlon. Yes, actually, I bumped into her over summer at a uh, at the Caribbean Fest. It, there was a Caribbean uh, yeah, Fest okay, over there. And okay. there were like people wearing very high, what would you call those things? Stelelos? Like those things that make them like 10 feet. Oh, still, still, still. Yes, she used to come and she would interview um, people. We would call Mondays at Matriarch, oh. and so it was really fun. And I thought at first, it's like who's gonna come out in the middle of the winter yeah. on a Monday? Yeah, and it was packed. I mean, people came out and it was really fun. We would serve drinks and have a chat. But then with the pandemic, we sort of obviously had to shut down. And I never really went back into it because I, I've been trying to think about how to engage in the matriarch club again but that's something that maybe we'll resume we have to bring it back that would be amazing right? that's like no excuses now no more pandemic and then that would <laughs> be gotta do it. a win-win situation because as a byproduct of bringing some joy and humor to the community 
you will probably get some more business too. So it's a win-win situation. Yeah, and it's you know, perfect. honestly, when we did that, we wanted to have, we, it was really a truly a community building exercise, yeah. you know, because I, first of all, I was missing the interaction and it was quiet yeah, and it's, yeah. you know, it's a winter and people are like all in their homes. And I actually met so many incredible people through those, you know, meetings. Yeah. And it was fun, and then after that, people would just go out to dinner. So yeah, so that's something I have to really. Now that it's the new year, I feel like I can <laughs> yeah. think about other things. Yeah. And the holiday season is over. But yeah. yeah, that's very cool. I had no idea. So maybe I'll yeah. talk to you about this after because yes. I want help. That's awesome. Thank you. That yeah. would be fun. Yeah. Cool. The last question I usually ask my interviewees is, if you are not doing this right now, what would you be doing? Mm. I could be doing a lot of things. You know, I. I love a lot of different things. Um, I love photography, graphic design, interior design. I, I might be a photographer, I don't know. But I also like, I do like consulting too with people because I like, I like to help people somehow. So maybe something that I could help people. Um, but definitely I like more of, photography for sure I love, uh, something creative. Um, maybe something related to the arts. Mm -hmm. You know, my husband is an artist, and mm -hmm. maybe I would be doing something related to that, but something creative. What do you see for yourself in the future and for your business? Well, um, I don't know for myself. I think um, I'm just trying to sort of be anchored in the present. I have, you know, what I want is to really enjoy life here, which I, you know, because of the business, it hasn't been very easy, so I really want to do more of that. For the business, we are trying to figure out, like I said, you know, we're trying to figure out how to make this um, viable off-season. Yeah. Uh, and so we're we're growing our website and we're trying to figure out what to do with this space also during the winter. So there's there's a few things that I'm, I'm thinking about. But I also um, feel that I, I just want to do certain things, but nothing too long, you know, not too long down the line, you know, because... We plan things so much and then things happen and things change. So, yeah. and I, I'm a planner. I yeah. naturally want to plan things, but I'm trying to fight that urge, you yeah. know, and trying to like not worry so much and just trying to enjoy yeah. a little bit of what's happening yeah. today. I heard that people underestimate how much can be done in five years, but overestimate how much can be done in one year. Oh, yes. Maybe that's true. <laughs> I don't know. I, when I hear something, I'm like, nugget of wisdom. And then I kind of incorporate in my life or pass it on in one way or another. Well, for me, because I'm somehow an overachiever, all this. Oh, you know, Asian, always, Asian. Yeah, things. it's really an Asian curse, I guess. But it's, um, I always think I can do a lot more than, mm. you know, and mm. I try to pack it in. And, mm. then, I, and then it's very stressful. So, I, so stressful. I'm, I'm learned to not do that, you know, or I'm learning. Mm. <laughs> not quite there yet, but I'm learning. Thank you, Patricia, for coming on this show. People who would like to check more, uh, check out more about what you are selling and what you stand for, Matriarch is at 133 Main Street, Sac yeah. Harbor, New York. And what about the Instagram handles and other places? Right, so you can find us at Matriarch Official and Instagram and also Facebook and also on matriarch.com. Yay, thank you so much thank for coming. You. Thank you so thank much, you. it was a pleasure. Thank you. Yay. Yay! Thank you!